0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote.
1: Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can Watch us on the Simulcast Stadium, 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 on this, I don't know, just kind of disgusted, melancholy. That's what we'll call it. Melancholy edition Tuesday. No, Wednesday. I don't even know what day it is. Wednesday edition. Game three of the Astros Rangers series. You know, I, I think some of you probably don't agree. Well, I'm sure that a lot of you don't, or some are, to a lot of you don't agree with the way I look at baseball, but I hate playing teams on long losing streaks. Because what happens is baseball's gonna give them a win somewhere along the line. Nobody loses like or like once in a century does someone lose like 20 in a row or something. Like it just, the piper or baseball, or whatever you want to say, is going to shine on you. And last night was a typical example of that. They they won with unearned runs and wild pitches, and, and look, I, the Astros team, they they've done a great job, and I I love I tend to latch on to a few players because I think they're the difference between winning and losing, and maybe pump them up and support them, and like we got to go. This this is you know, it, when they got Yuli, it was Yuli for a while, and J- this year it's like a Jeremy Pena. It's kind of like a project, and you just kind of you know you stay with them. And and I love everything Candy does. I mean, I love the impact that Candy has had on our team. But Candy is having a terrible year blocking the ball. Like, he has got – he needs to stop all that showboating and put the tailgate down. You know what they need to do? They need to show Candy. And I hate to praise this organization because they've been on my – they were used to be on my nerves for years. Um They need to show Candy, Mike Matheny highlights. Milo used to call it, ex-Astro announcer, Milo Hamilton used to call it, put the tailgate down, cat. The tailgate. All of this, I'm trying to field the ball in the dirt like a shortstop junk. It's got to stop. Like, Put your body in front of it and block the baseball. It's it, You know, it hasn't been quite as bad for a while there, for about two or three weeks. I mean, the catcher position was a sieve. The, I thought about changing his name from candy to sieve. Like, everything was getting through, like block a ball. Now, his throwing has been unbelievable, like, the last two days, he's thrown guys out, just making unbelievable throws. There's no arguing how good of an arm he has. But but Caden needs to start blocking the ball. And when they get to the postseason, he's got to start blocking the baseball. Put the tailgate down. Stop all this silly stuff, trying to one-hand scoop balls. Put your body, you're fat and slow. Now put your body in front of it. Use it. Enough of that trying to backhand one-hand balls in the dirt. Put your body in front of it and keep the ball in front of you. Enough of that foolishness. But um, just one of them stupid losses last night. El Perro did not. He still does not. I don't know. I, I need to see it. I need to see it. And it's so strange. I mentioned this yesterday. It's... You know, nervous, excited, anxious, all those things all through August. Oh, it's going to take forever for them. And now it's game week. And last week just – it was just a huge punch in the gut, and I don't think I've recovered. I, it, it, I think I'm at the point where I really need to see a game and have them do well, and then that will take over the gut punch that was last week. And, again, for me it was – After two to three years of just negativity and negative and bad things happening and bad things happening and bad things happening, you know, suspensions and injuries and just, you know, back to in, in 2019, you know, just getting cheated week in and week out. It was just awful. So it was just, um, it was just, it's, it's like, I was right on the edge, and it's like I can't take any more bad news. None. I'm done with that. And everything was fine, and then last week happened, and it was like, oh, this again. It's just a feeling of, oh, it's like reliving the agony days, and and I just haven't gotten out of it. I I just – actually, I've tried not to think about it, and so that hasn't added anything to the excitement of. It's like I'm completely worn out, and we haven't even played the first game yet. Emotionally, I am just done. After the, and after last week, and we haven't even played the first game yet. Oh man, I hope to say. I hope the official. I, I just can't take it this year. Just can't take it. Cannot take another – if we have another year like 2019, I don't know what I'm going to do where we get cheated all constantly. Uh, you know, it, it just – it can't happen. Last year and two years ago were fine. I mean, there were some bad – you know, they they stole the Titans game, and, they, and that's going to happen here and there. But not, none of these – nothing was like 2019. I mean, that was just – they got cheated all season. And so hopefully that doesn't happen. And hopefully there's no more bad breaks. I just – I need them to play and win and and hopefully I can get out of oh man. I'm just, I don't know what they call it, but I am in just a malaise, as they say. Just uh people say, Are you ready? I, I don't think I'm ready for the season. I'm ready for something good to happen. And it needs to happen quick. And um, and then if and then if something good happens, guess what? Got to wait seven more days till they play again. I don't I don't know if I'm going to make through this season. I don't know if I'm going to make it. We might, it uh, looks like today, either today or tomorrow, I've made my predictions. I haven't finalized a Super Bowl prediction. But I, I, I did all my divisions. And I got to tell you, like I said yesterday, when I actually put pen to paper, it was easier. Probably easier than it's been maybe ever. Now again, that doesn't mean I'm going to get it right. It's just deciding that there are always a couple of. Eh, should I put? Hit? Should I flip these two teams? There's a couple of those. Eh, should I flip these two? But not many. Not many. Like again, I have my certain rules, which makes it easier. And we'll we'll go over that um, in the in the ten o'clock hour. But I have my certain rules that make a prediction easier. And It doesn't mean I'm going to get it right. It just makes my prediction easier, my decision easier. And so we'll go over that um, in the next hour. But um, oh man, it is um, it's going to be a. I just don't feel right. I just I don't know. I, Last week just took it out of me, and I I just do not feel – I'm so thankful to the Astros that until last night they've been winning, which I needed that. Oh, man, did I need that. So thank you, Astros. But, Candy, please put the tailgate down. No, no one is going to – you're not going to get on any highlight films trying to look like Ozzie Smith at Catcher. You're fat. You're built like a rectangle. Stop trying to act like Ozzie Smith and put your tailgate down and block the baseball. Enough of that. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Oh, 40,
2: so You don't sound like you're having a good morning, buddy.
1: Oh, no. Awful.
2: <laughs> nah, now, now, you know how you solve all your problems with the Saints and all
1: that? How is that? Because
2: you simply just become a Cowboys
1: fan. Oh, it's that, that easy. That's not going to happen. It's,
2: it's, I mean, we ain't having no players getting.
1: <clears throat> done, I mean, if it. I became a Cowboys fan, talk about it. I mean, that would be even more, that'd be really yeah. depressing.
2: Only time we get the press is when around January playoff time. That's the only week. That's the only time, <laughs> the only time. we get the press. That's the only time. You're giving all this you money know, to a. All,
1: you're giving all this money to a washed-up running back. You had a million receivers last year. Now you. Now you only got one. Oh
2: no, we got three of them. I'm telling you, Mike, Michael Gallup. He's a star. Well, I do think I do think
1: Gallup. I do think Gallup is good. Now I don't know when he's going to play, but I do think he's good. I agree with that. Yeah,
2: we got rid of that and Jamari Cooper. We don't want that. Even though he's from Denver, I mean, I got to have a little, a little uh, I got to support him a little bit. But uh, yeah, the only time we and, and me being a lifelong, lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan, I've come to adjust it, I just say simply, before the season even begins, and I'll help you out with that, I'll just simply say, hey, there's always next year. You know, I mean, but next <clears throat> year is going to be a great year because Sean Payton's going to be our head coach. So, you know, I mean, I keep telling you that. And then uh, you, can, you can jump up forward with us. You ain't got to worry about your players getting in trouble. You know, I mean, start walking around the uh, the game studio saying we can boys. I'm sure five names are like that,
1: huh? No, she's too excited about our Mariners right now, I think, to worry about any of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, it could be worse. She could be an LSU fan because, man, I don't know what that was that they put up uh, Sunday. Man, Lord have mercy. I mean, like I posted on my Facebook, I was like, only a team like LSU can make Florida State look like a playoff. (laughs) 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 You
3: know
2: I mean? I'm just saying, man. They got a long way to go, long, long way to go. But, hey, keep your head up because October's right around the corner. And uh, the great thing about that is the Yankees are going to fall flat on their feet. I can't wait.
3: It's right. <laughs> I'm counting the
2: days down like a little kid counts down the days to Christmas. I can't wait. Then I'm a, I am want to wait to hear a says, You know, we all set them, and he said they're going to take off. You know, they're he gonna take off. Like gonna the take
1: off. Kids, you know? <laughs> well, the the best sorry, thing going I for mean, the Yankees, the best thing going. Come on, Kyle. when, when, when they're gonna take off? I'm waiting for it. The best thing going for the Yankees is they get to play the Twins at doubleheader today, but we'll see what happens. Yes, sir.
2: Thanks for taking my call. <clears> All right, good. thank that's you.
1: Oh man, I'm just, I don't know. It's just, it's shocking. I've been waiting for this week forever, and it's just shocking how just last week just took it out of me emotionally. I just like, I mean, I'm just not, I'm just like, here we go again. Not more of this. Just awful. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello.
4: Foot, what's going on?
1: Oh, not much. I'm just struggling.
4: I wonder how the people feel that said the the division was over in in June that the Mets were uh uh gonna coast to the championship in the in the East. I mean, that that we we caught them foot we caught them.
1: Got twenty something games left. They're not hitting at all, and I don't know. The main thing now is to see if um he was
4: Max uh, Scherzer sure just put on the IL with oblique injury.
1: Um, no. What's his name? My um Marte is he injured? He got hit with a pitch last night.
4: Yeah, so he got injured, and I and, and I just saw on SportsCenter where, and last time they put cheers on the IL with an oblique injury, he missed like six weeks. He was just put back on the IL with an oblique injury, so I I, I I kind of feel sorry for the Mets. You don't believe that, huh?
1: No, I don't believe that.
4: <laughs> I mean, it, but everybody knew it was only a matter of time before we caught him. I mean, they, except Mets fans, they they, they really. Well, they I'm
1: to, I'm surprised it took this long. And um, well, and and I don't know um, that you know. Again, that I, I again I don't I never trust their bullpen from the beginning. But um, we'll we'll see if they show some fight or not, uh, or if they just kind of keep going in that other direction like the other New York team has done for the last month or so. But we'll see.
2: Well,
4: foot, I don't know how much fight you want to see, but in the last three games, <clears> they <throat> lost twice to the Nationals and once to the Pirates.
1: Well, again, those teams are not good, but, you know, let's look at the A's and, and the and the little MVPs. I mean, these bottom teams have played well. I mean, that some of them have played very well of late. Um, you know, the Pirates have some talent. They just don't have any starting pitching.
4: Yeah. Well, we, and we got a big three-game series the last three games of the year. I mean, the second-to-last series of the year in, in Atlanta against the Mets. So, hopefully – well, well, gets put. He's on the IL. Hopefully, he stays for the rest of the season to the playoffs. And and and, and, and they they drop. It, I don't think there's any chance they can drop out the wild card.
1: But that, yeah. would that be funny? <clears throat> All right, no, boys. that's I'll not going to happen. Later. All right. Thanks for the call. We got to take a timeout. We'll come back. Shift gears. Talk LSU football with Cokie Riley on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.
0: Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most?
1: Who is Aaron Rodgers?
0: He's the most arrogant
1: athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is.
0: That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest, Southwest Louisiana's sports, sports station.
1: station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. I want to remind you before we get to our special guest about Astro Giveaway 5. If you would like to get. Four tickets to Astros versus the Tampa Bay Rays on Saturday, October 1st. Tour Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations. You have to join the game clubhouse. And if you do, you will be eligible for the great prize. Astro Weekend Getaway, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Again, we have with us, as we do each week, Mr. Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. How are you, sir?
5: Um, still trying to recover from the last few days of absolute madness. Um, how's it going?
1: <laughs> well, it is. Um, you know, you know. It's funny though. We talked all every time all through August that you know there's just question marks everywhere, and yet we see a team that has question marks everywhere, and so many people are 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 shocked by it. Um, should we not? Yeah.
5: Yeah. Um, I I think some of the question marks that we sort of highlighted on in our previews and everyone else's previews did come to fruition, right? Uh, stuff like the offensive line. I think that's the most obvious example. Um, and some, and a lot of the issues they had on that offensive line were, and then stuff and also stuff like chemistry issues between, uh, Jaden Daniels and his receivers. Uh, I think we har- we did we did a pretty good job of harping on those things, but I, I didn't expect them to have two blocked field goals and two muffed punts. to do. So no, but again, some of it wasn't.
1: No, that was awful. Uh, you know, no question, but that's fixable. Like. That's not a long term thing. In other words, exactly. there's probably less of a chance of that happening now because that in the future than because it happened, they'll harp on it and harp on it, and harp on it. They'll get that fixed. It was bad for that game and it was an ugly football game. But oh, but yeah. that's fixable. The offensive line may not be fixable.
5: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, not 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 every man on that on that five-man line was had a horrible game. Uh, like Garrett Dellinger had a pretty good PFF score, for example. Um, but I mean, their right side had 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 a really really bad game. Um, I mean, if you look at all the numbers, uh, it was just a really ugly performance. You look at the tape. Uh, Cam Wire consistently got beaten that game. Um, It it was rough. It was really rough, and and I honestly, I'm not 100% sure how they fix it other than maybe try out some of the other pieces that you have, because they have a little bit of depth on that offensive line, but it was just a matter of which guys do you play and which guys don't you play, because at least on paper, it didn't seem like there was a huge difference between the starters and the backups, and sometimes that's a good thing, but um, in their case, I, I think that's a bad thing.
1: Um, I've heard some people ragging on the kicker. I, I didn't come away from that game thinking that Ramos is going to be a bad kicker. Obviously, I just think that, obviously, they they got to get the old line to you. How do you see that?
5: No, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I neither of those blocked kicks were because Ramos kicked it way too low or anything like that. He made his one field goal that he was – Actually allowed to make, and you made the extra. They made the couple of extra points before the last one that was blocked. It was all about the blocking scheme and that one side of, I believe, the left side of that line. Um, you can't really call it the offensive line, but you know what I mean. The left side of the right. formation where they consistently uh, keep on kept on giving up that gaping hole there for uh, for to allow that allow that kick to be blocked. It wasn't like the very end. Of the line, which is what you sometimes see on a block kick, or, or of, of some kind, it was kind of that left middle, which is kind of a strange position, and it seemed like there was just either this constant miscommunication as to who had who on the line, or I don't, I don't know. I, I can't even explain it to be honest to you. To be honest to you, because it's just so rarely we see that happen twice at a game.
1: So the worst thing that happened was we we talked about the strength. The two strengths of these teams, the, uh, of this team, and the two areas that didn't have any question marks coming in seem to be wide receiver and defensive line, and um, you know all of the controversy or whatever you want to call it, shenanigans, whatever with, with with Butte, and then and then you lose one of your best players to injury, and so now your strengths don't even look like. They're the strength that you thought you would have there.
5: Yeah, I think wide receiver more or less recovered as the game went along. And that's one of those things where I think the chemistry, as it gets better between Daniels and his receivers, um, it will look better at least more consistently um, throughout games as the season goes along. That kind of feels like an as-the-season-goes-along sort of thing, uh, similar to the special teams, but obviously that won't get fixed quite as quickly as the special teams thing, just because of special teams stuff is it's, it's very it's quickly fixable, as as you said. Uh, but as for the defensive line, it's impossible to replace Mason Smith. Like, he's just too athletic. He's too much of an impact force on the, and not on that defensive line. What happened to him was just an absolute shame. And uh, I, it, you just feel terrible for a guy for getting hurt celebrating. It wasn't like he was doing some crazy celebration either. He, he literally just. Slightly jumped up in the air and landed awkwardly, um, so you're going to miss him. They do have some depth to replace him, of course, with Jacoby and Geller and Mikai Wingo is no slouch himself. Uh, but at the same time, you kind of lose that ceiling um, that Smith brought to the defensive line, and combine that with Gay's targeting, and it was just a it was just a pretty rough day for the defensive line. They didn't make a ton of impact plays except for the fumble at the very end.
1: Now. As far as um, the defense, and before we get to the offense and while we're on defense, as far as the defense overall, you know, obviously Garner got burned one that one time bad. Um, I think in a lot of those plays, I just had to give credit for the Florida State quarterback because I thought he did a great job of doing a little bit of Houdini and throwing down the field when he was under pretty big pressure, or or were there things with the defense that concern you long-term?
5: Yeah, I mean, we saw this a little bit last season as well, right? And quarterbacks and playmakers consistently kept on making Houdini acts against LSU. Look at the Auburn game, for example. Bo Nix had one of the best teams of his career, but he consistently kept on uh, making plays out of his hat. They've got to be able to finish plays. It's something that they have trouble – they had trouble doing last season, and they had trouble doing that Florida State game. Now, look at how many third-longs Florida State was able to convert in that game. Look at, or, or five, six-yard chunks consistently had a place that looked like they were kind of dead. Um, I, I don't know what it is in order to fix that, what what you do exactly in order to fix that. Something I think is, is um, some bad early season tackling, which I, I feel like that's kind of normal. In the beginning of the season, you're just not going to tackle as well because you're just not going to be as physical during preseason just so you keep everyone healthy. Of course, I understand that. But at the same time, they've got to be able to finish plays more. I mean, they only had four tackles for loss in this game against Florida State, and I think it's kind of a thing that kind of went under the radar how few big plays that they, how few big plays the defense made in this game.
1: Again, we're speaking with Koki Riley, as we do each Wednesday. Um, on the offensive side... I don't, I mean, the most troubling thing to me, I guess, would be do besides offensive line. Obviously, the offensive line is the most troubling thing, but this kind of goes hand in hand. If the quarterback doesn't run the football, are they going to have a running game?
5: Yeah, and I I think, again, that goes back to the offensive line. Maybe the offensive line has to create uh, bigger holes at the line of scrimmage and, and, and and just and just sort of hold up there a lot better than what they ended up doing in that game. And I mean, it's it's tough because I I just don't think if John Emery do you think if John Emery plays in that game that they win? I don't I don't really think so. I don't think he makes that much of a difference. I I from what I saw I, I just I I just really felt like Florida State controlled the line of scrimmage and that wasn't just in the in the passing game that was also in the in the rushing. In the rushing game, so I, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, moving forward, what's it going to look like? Um, my guess is that they're probably going to have trouble, like establishing a, like a real rushing attack up front for for the foreseeable future, unless his offensive line plays a lot better.
1: I I'm just as I'm watching the game, and again, we're all just guessing to a certain extent, but I, I'm thinking this quarter. Obviously, the quarterback is talented running the ball. We knew that going in, and he did a good job running the ball. But I'm thinking, are all these defenses that they're going to play, you know, I'm not talking about Southern, but when they start playing pretty good defenses um, that are well-coached down the road, are they going to just let this guy run this much? Like, I don't know how sustainable. I mean, it's not like he's not going to be a threat to run because he's always going to be a threat to run, but him running for 100-something yards, I I don't think that's sustainable.
5: You're right. It's... It's not sustainable. Uh, Brian Kelly said it after the game. Brian Kelly said it on Tuesday. I, you just can't run the ball as the quarterback that often, unless, unless you're like Lamar Jackson or something. Yeah. Um, it, it's just not, it's just not a sustainable way to have to run your offense. And you're also putting the quarterback's health in jeopardy if you're doing it that often. Right. So yeah, they they have to create some sort of passing attack and, Uh, And they did find that at the end of the game, and then a lot of that I thought had to do with just Florida State's defense uh, either wearing down or losing its aggressiveness toward the end. And that's um, so I'm basically saying that's more or less of Florida State's fault. Um, But I I guess if you wanted to have any sort of sliver of optimism, yeah, they did they did generate some pretty some good and efficient offense at the end, especially in that in that last minute and twenty where they went all 99 yards down the field during in that time and somehow some way almost tied or could have won the ball game um through that drive so uh it's well
1: i think it, the this passing so many game takeaways from this right game. i think the passing game did better when they were in that hurry up mode Absolutely. but 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 are they going to be willing slash Capable of doing that, like in the first half of games. In other words, your your passing game can't just be in hurry up mode. Or I don't know that that's sustainable either.
5: Well, in order to get the hurry up mode, it's it's it does work often just because it, it does sort of throw off the communication of a defense if you're constantly in hurry up mode. But you got to get a first down or two in order to get there, right? Uh, that's the sort of key of playing hurry up football and. Uh, and and that and that's tough when your offensive line keeps plays as poor as it has at times. Uh, and when your when your run game is almost not an option When your wide receivers and your quarterback aren't always on the same page because they're just so new to each other. I mean, this team has a lot of a lot of holes to fix, to be quite frank. And um, and I think those we saw a lot of those holes like potentially coming down the road for them we just didn't. I don't think we expected them to be sort of this, as deep and as problematic as they ended up being in this game. Like, granted, it's one football game. Maybe this is maybe what we saw against Florida State is is rock bottom for what we'll see from this team for the rest of the season. There's definitely a chance that, that happens, right? I mean, I feel like as as fans and as media and as as players and coaches even. We tend to overreact after after one football game. It's just its just how we roll. But at the same time, we have to call it like we saw it we, well, like we see it, right? And the it, it the, these problems are deeper than at least what I anticipated heading it
1: all right. So the thing that it's hard to see on TV and even if you're at the game, it's hard to know it until uh, until the season kind of plays out. But the lack of a, of a passing game and the quarterback having to run, obviously the offensive line had to do with that. But the the other way in my mind to, to overcome a weaker offensive line is to get rid of the football. So how much of it had to do with the passing game and the communication between the quarterback and the receivers like we talked about a few times? In other words, they they weren't. The passing game wasn't far enough along to get rid of the football quickly and you combine that with a weak offensive line, then that's the quarterback's just more wanting to run and willing to run and feel like he's more comfortable running than the than than the passing game kinda of taking care of the pass rush.
5: Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of a whole bunch of things. Um I haven't done the deepest of deep dives and, and had had a chance to really uh, rewatched the game since the last couple of days have been pretty hectic even after, uh, even, even though they played on Sunday. So I, 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 I can't give you like a perfect answer for this, but at least when I was watching the game, it felt like there were some, there were a good amount of plays where Daniels didn't barely even had time to get off a quick, to get off a quick pass. And then there were times where Daniels probably shouldn't have just, when he got out of the pocket, probably shouldn't have just tucked and ran maybe, maybe he should have surveyed the field a little bit more and i think that was there had to be criticism with his game and i thought he played pretty well for the most part um, i i i he maybe not tucking and running immediately when there's pressure uh, is the right move i mean i thought he had good pocket presence but once you get out of the pocket it doesn't mean you have to start running for the first down immediately right
1: because so think, I think about that's the it the
5: thing that he needs to improve
1: right. on right think about it if his counterpart would have done that LSU might have won the game.
2: Yeah, yeah.
5: Because I
1: mean, his honestly, counterpart, when he got pressure, have, he uh, completed uh, passes down the field.
2: Yeah,
5: no, absolutely. I mean, you're absolutely right with that. And and I think some of that has to do with the lack of chemistry as re- ha- he has with his receivers. Right? But I think also a lot of it has to do with just the tendency he he had heading into LSU, right? I mean, that was one of the criticisms Jaden Daniels had at Arizona State is that he would just at any sign of pressure or trouble, he'd get out of the pocket. Sure, that was usually the right move, but instead of actually surveying the field and trying to make a play with his arm, he would just try to run the ball almost every single time. So um, that was an, that was an issue, and I thought it got a little bit better as the game went along, of course, with the three straight touchdown drives. But at the same time, I don't know, it's, it's just a tough situation for him because I, I, I feel like... Uh, I I don't think we should be too, too critical of him just because of how poorly that offensive line played. No, that's fair. That's fair. running for
1: his life in the first half. Right. No, that's fair. All right. So one more thing. Um, I don't know that this would be a surprise, but if this doesn't get much better pretty quickly, it's not going to be a lot of fun between Coach Kelly and the media this year, is it?
5: Oh, so we're talking about yesterday a little bit. Um yeah, so I, I I think it's pretty clear and obvious that I don't want to pin it like say oh the national media or anything like that, but I guess the national landscape. I'm I'm putting the media and and the national national college football fans in general. It feels like there's this hostility towards what Ryan Kelly did when he left Notre Dame for LSU at the very beginning, and I really really ever since that ha- has transpired there just seems to be this general hostility towards him and this this like hope that he loses games at lsu and again that's everyone that that's a very general reading again very general reading of every everyone outside of lsu but i'd say everyone in
1: all right i don't know what happened he must i don't know if koki's driving or what because he just kind of faded away um I mean, that was the last question, and I I don't know exactly what he was about to say, but um, perhaps he was about to say that the national media is going to be a little different than the local media. We'll we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And look, that part of it is not nearly as important as fixing, you know, the issues that are going on on the field, but... um, but it was just just an observation, and, and he's right. There does seem to be a um, it, it's the, there does seem to be, and I don't really have you know I'm not I'm kind of neutral on Brian Kelly. Really, I'm I don't love him or hate him or anything. I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. Um, but there does seem to be to Koki's point. A lot of the major national guys are just w- so um, ready to just drill him. So ready to just, um, you know, really criticize him and jump all over him. So we'll see. Uh, it'll, it's going to take time, and maybe he'll get the last laugh. We will see. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back with more footnotes on this melancholy Wednesday edition of footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Casper the Quitter. Casper the Quitter. Now, the former New Orleans Saints longtime head coach who quit on the team after a tough season. Also known as Sean Payton. Now back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros want to remind you about the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Football season's here, and if you would like to be crowned a tailgating king by winning the ultimate tailgate getaway giveaway, this is what you need to do. You need to join the Game Rewards Club to be eligible. And if you do get eligible, you could win $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to Cajun Games, tickets to Tiger Games, and more. The ultimate tailgate giveaway brought to you by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right. The game hotline is 706-0111. Seven oh six oh one one one. If you have any thoughts about anything, Koki and I discuss with LSU. You want to talk about the NFL. The first game is tomorrow night. So it is game week. Certainly do that. Cajun football. We talked yesterday quite a bit with um with Cody. And, you know, we'll have some more thoughts on that as the week goes on as well. So let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Hello, sir.
3: This is how you want to win, guy. Hey,
1: how you doing?
3: Time to start. I've been listening to you talking about um, a lot of things, and uh, amongst them is the Astros. And you know, don't get frustrated, Kevin. They, they, they in there good. Now, no, they're it's always in good perennial. shape. But you it's know, always the Dodgers. You know, come on. But,
1: we need we need Candy to start. And when they get in the playoffs, he better start blocking baseballs in the dirt. The ball's gotten by him way too much this year.
3: Yeah, his fielding. Yep. Okay, now starting our Saints. Look, it's like this. We're so good. Did you come up with a name yet for Demario Davis?
1: No, like, but, know, a, a no, but we, need, we need a good one. You're right. We need a
0: good one.
3: Well, I got one, and it's not an insult. It's, uh, I think he's like a water buffalo, but I don't know how to put that in a term. But that's what he's like because he circles around. You don't know he's coming, and he's deadly. And, that you know, I don't know how to put that, but that's what he's like. I'm but, thinking
1: um, more Captain America because this cat is a leader. He stands for all that's good and right. I mean, I, I'm thinking about, you know, to continue our superhero theme, I'm thinking about Captain America for that cat.
3: I like it. Yeah, I like it because he he, he's, he's just he's a just, genuinely good Oh, he's just a great
1: leader, name. and he just great. He just does everything all right.
3: right. So our game coming up. Yes, here we come. Here comes Sunday. Look, I think that this game is going to be a game that's going to be a fourth quarter game. I guess you could say that about all games. But I just like our chances. I would think that this game is going to go around 34. And I think that the loser Atlanta was going to be about 27. That's what I think. But uh, I'm going to ask you how you want to win, Kevin. And uh, who that
1: is? All right. Thanks for the call, sir. Right. I that's a great question. How do I want to win this game? I I um I I think I I think it's important in this game to establish something offensively. I, I think we know that I'm worried that the defense will not meet its full potential at the beginning. That's been my number one concern. Uh, throughout the off season, um, certainly through the preseason, um, but I think it's it, it's it's important to establish some offensively. So I I think the best thing that would feel the best is that they win this game because Plastic Man has a great game. And Jameis looks really good, and you know I'm not saying a uh, West West Chandler, who my nickname for Chris Olave. I'm not saying it's not a, you know it'd be great you know if he threw it to Troutman, uh, that'd be great. If he threw it to Jarvis, it'd be great. But I, I think it's important that Plastic Man play well and that Jameis. So my answer to Mark's question is going to be the passing game, that the passing game. Get it done. And, again, that's the flash and dash part of the sport. And I'm not normally, you know, as flash and dash as most people. But I think because of where we are right now and having these new receivers and most people not having much confidence in the tight end position and there's still a lot of people questioning Jameis, I'm going to say the passing game. But, man, I hope the Saints defense doesn't give up 27 points to Marcus Mariota and the Falcons. Let's hope that doesn't happen. I definitely don't want that. Then I'll be really nervous. All right. That'll do it for this segment. We'll come back, finish out the first hour of footnotes on this melancholy Wednesday edition on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros. So we want to thank our friend Mark uh, for spur for calling and asking the question. And and it's uh, it's great when it just kind of it's not forced. It just kind of happens organically. Now we have a new nickname, and and we've continued the superheroes theme. The you know what's the irony of that is I don't even watch superhero movies. I don't even watch them. Never watch. I've never seen any of the Batman's. I've never seen. I did see my son made me watch or guilted me into watching Aquaman. I did see that show. I haven't seen any of the other ones. And I did see one, I don't know what it's called, one of the Captain Americas. I guess I've seen two of them where the guy from We Are Marshall was his sidekick, and they were on top of buildings flying around. And um, I think what Robert Redford was in it, maybe I don't remember what it was called. But anyway, I don't, I do not like those kind of movies. I'm just telling you. Um, but I'm not a big, you know, I've never seen Spider Man. Don't plan to. None of that. So I, I don't, I'm not, I don't like those movies. But, but I did grow up watching Super Friends, you know, on Saturday morning. So, I don't know, just kind of worked out that way. But, no, Captain America, I think think it's fitting. I think it's it's perfect. So, thank you, Mark, for helping that to happen. So, now we have um, Captain America, Demario Davis. We have Superman, Mark Ingram, who apparently is changing his number again to what it should be. Uh, We have Plastic Man, Michael Thomas. We have... Aquaman, who's Brandon Cooks, and we have Mighty Mouse, you know, Deontay Hardy. Are we, are we forgetting one there? I think that's it. I think that's all though. All the ones. Wasn't Robert Redford in that movie? I need a look. It was a Captain America.
6: So if you're talking about the cast for, like, We Are Marshall, they have Anthony Mackie.
1: That's who it is, Anthony Mackey. But anyway, we got to go. We'll, do, we'll figure this out on the other side. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote.
1: Welcome. Into or back to footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Astro will play game three of their series against the Texas Rangers. So far, it's gone fairly similar to the series this past weekend with the little MVP. So hopefully um, you know, you lost a game, you probably shouldn't have lost in the middle. And then hopefully they take care of the of the rubber game tonight. But again, you can hear that game right here on the, the game 1037 Lafayette one hundred four one Lake Charles. All right, I got people texting me saying it's not Robert Refford, but I'm telling you it it was some Captain America movie 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 that Rush <laughs> guilted me into watching. And the sidekick to Captain America was the cat, the defensive back from We Are Marshall. And Robert Redford played this character where he shows a fool to everybody. He, he made it sound like, he, he made it look like he was a good guy. Turn out he was diabolical.
6: So people are texting and saying he's wrong. There is a movie with Captain, that's a Captain America movie that does have Robert Redford in it. Now, I haven't seen, looking through all of the, the pictures they have or the images on the google to tell me if robert redford was the bad guy or not but robert redford was in this movie as well as anthony Mackey, who is now the new captain america since the last avengers movie and it was also in we are marshall so i'm going to find out who exactly robert redford was in this movie and then i can confirm or deny based on our intern Moses to let us know if he actually was a bad guy because there's a lot of movies. I'm telling
1: so you, he he he's st- at the beginning. You said, well, he might be a good guy, and then and then he did some evil shawls. I mean, he was not good in this movie. I remember thinking, boy, they they made they made the natural look like he was bad. So anyway, I um.
6: Okay, Moses says yes, he was a bad guy in this movie.
1: Yes, I'm telling you. I, look, I. My mind is not stable right now with last week with the Saints, so I'm teetering on the edge, but I, I did have that that vague memory of it. Anyway, all right, the game hotline is 70601117060111. You know it hit me last night. You know how I always say, I don't like winning awards. I wanna I, I just don't like all of that foolishness. It's foolishness. So in the month of July, who was the American League player of the month? El Pedro Grande. What has he done since July ended? Diddley poo. That's what he's done. Diddley poo. Nothing. He's done nothing. So who was the American League most um, player of the month for the month of August? Alex Bregman. What has Alex Bregman done since August ended? Nothing. He's done nothing. And he made an error last night. All that old individual. Y'all got to get that out your mind. It's just awful. When you're at the top, there's nowhere to go but down. It, it just doesn't work. Now, if you're in the NBA, it could work. But in baseball, the Piper just gets you. It just, the Piper don't like that. The Piper don't like when you have some sort of record-setting month. You just, all you're doing is making the Piper angry. And now we got to deal with these massive slumps to pay the price for these big months. I guess the only good thing about this, if they both stink all through September, maybe in October they'll be ready to hit again. At least that's what I'm hoping. It's what I'm hoping. But, man, no, it hit me last night. All these player of the month, player of the month, greatest month ever. And then now they're doing nothing. I'll tell you what, though, Jose Altuve continues to impress me. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead.
6: So, Salty Steve wanted me to bring up to you. It's about LSU. He says, tell Foot that if you are paying a coach $10 million a year, people aren't looking for excuses. If the talent isn't there, that's one thing, but there were at least 15 mental errors that could have reversed the outcome of the game. Taking three quarters to make adjustments isn't worth $10 million. Just,
1: I just don't I, – I get his point, but – I just don't think stuff happens that fast. I, I I think you can't have that many question marks. Now again, if a year from now, look, folks, understand this: we're gonna go an entire year and not know anything. Like, and not know anything. I I said that I I I and I still can't believe LSU hired Ed Ogeron to be their head football coach. Well. When they won the national championship, it looked pretty good, didn't it? And then I people had to say, and and people said, and you didn't want LSU to hire him, no. And I still can't believe LSU hired Ed Ogeron to be their head football coach. Um, and for a while it looked great, and then it crashed and burned, and you're still paying the price for it. So I I uh, I, I it, it just stuff you know it takes time it 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 just takes time now um I don't I'm probably not as absolutely convinced that he's gonna turn out to be do this great job as some people but I am pretty convinced that it's way too early to be as critical as some people are being after one game again, Colleges, they don't get preseason games. I, I just, I've never been a big fan of, you know, in Florida State has become a victim of it more than anybody in my lifetime. Where you play, and this wasn't LSU's most important game, but the idea that you're going to play arguably or one of your most important games of the season in the first Saturday in September with no preseason—I don't know. It's just, I just don't like that part of college football. Now, it it puts, I'll, I mean, it makes the games, it makes the game high drama. I mean, I guess for TV and that the excitement part, it's important. Can you imagine if, you know, the first week of in April was like, you know, your baseball season was in trouble? I mean, if you started out two and four, uh oh, season over. I don't like that. You know, can you imagine it? In football, it's a little different in the NFL than college. But I mean, if you start out one and two, there is no surviving one and two in college football. Now, you can, as a mid major, you can start out one and two and win your conference and go to a bowl. But if you're, you know, one of the bigger teams, there, there, there really isn't any surviving it. Like in the NFL, it's hard, but you can you can still win the Super Bowl when you start out one and two. Now you start out zero and three, and yeah, it's a little more a little stickier statistically. I don't know. I, I think one game, you can certainly be concerned. I'm not saying don't be concerned, but again, you should have been concerned before they played the game. Even if they had won the game, you still should be concerned. There's a lot to be concerned about with this team because it's all brand new and it, it's full of question marks. It's full of it. But I, I wouldn't totally panic about where the – and again, we're going to play this entire season and we're not going to know because many people thought they knew with the last head coach and they didn't know. They won a national championship and they were convinced and they were still didn't know. So it, it it it's um we'll see now i have you know one of the things that's being said is one of the national criticisms that i've seen is that when they play on a national stage his teams don't perform well offensively i still don't know if i i heard that i understand why people are saying that, but when Notre Dame loses to an Alabama on a national state, they're not supposed to beat them. I I don't know how much – I don't know if I can be that critical of Notre Dame's offense not doing well. Now, I understand there are people that hate Notre Dame and think they get too much credit, and I – probably agree with that I have long since all the major conferences and Notre Dame met today that I you know that didn't that didn't sit well with me either I get the the dislike and the kind of bitterness towards the whole Notre Dame thing but I do any of us really think that Notre Dame and Alabama or Notre Dame and really good Georgia team or Notre Dame and a really good uh, LSU team have the same amount of talent. I don't, I don't think anybody really believes that. So they're, 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 su- they're supposed to lose those games. So I don't know. Time will tell. But it's going to take more time than just one year. One year won't tell anything. It's going to take multiple years before you really know what you've got. Now, I think he's going to do a lot of organizational things very well. Um, I'm think I said it when they first hired him and I think eventually he's going to make the offensive line legit right now. It look, it's, it's in shambles, but again, I just don't think it's a magic trick. I just don't think you magically just, he just, I'm Brian Kelly. I've won this many games. Let me snap my fingers and everything happens. I just, it's probably not going to happen. Um, I'm anxious to see how they play against Mississippi State from a defensive standpoint, especially. So we'll we'll, we'll see. But um, no, look, he's in my opinion, he's not going to earn or not earn his money this year. I think you got it, probably a three-year deal. Now, if they have a losing season this year and next year, hmm, I'm gonna have a tough time convincing anybody of that. I get that. I, I I get it, but um, I, again I I'm not for him or against him. I I was neutral on the hire. I. I I I was worried from the beginning how he'll mesh down here, but people said the same thing about Tucktail, so we'll see certainly not a good first game but why anyone didn't think they were we were going to have major question marks out of the first after the first game I don't know because again there were more question marks for this team of any LSU team in a long time just major question marks coming out of last season major just total overhaul i mean it was a total overhaul all right Let's go ahead and do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, I don't know if I'll finish, but we'll at least start. Because we, we have tomorrow as a um, as kind of, you know, the, in other words, the Bills and the Rams play tomorrow night. They don't play tonight. So if we finish tomorrow, that's okay too. And, again, if you want to continue the discussion on the Tigers or Major League Baseball um, races or Cajuns or anything, certainly always feel free to call. On the game hotline, 706 We'll be back again on this melancholy, melancholy melancholy, Wednesday version of the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary.
1: Oh, pleasure, Cruz
0: pleasure cruise now a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players the best coaches and caught all the breaks also known as tom brady's career now back to the man with his very own language kevin foot and footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, I want to remind you: Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football this Thursday night. Got a doubleheader for you. Or two games anyway. Southside Sharks will take on the Cecilia Bulldogs. That Cecilia played in what was the ended up being the game of the week last week week, beat beat St. Martinville, St. Martin Parish rival St. Martinville, 35-33 in a a nail-biter. And this game figures to be one of the better games of the week again, Cecilia versus Southside. You can hear that game on Mustang 107.1 FM. Then there's the St. Landry Parish game of the week, Port Barry. Against Bo Shane, News Talk 98.5 FM. Pre-game, 6.45 for both games. Kickoff set at 7. Got a chance to see Bo Shane against Rain last week. And just very unfortunate. They lost their starting quarterback in the first game. I don't know how serious it is. And hopefully uh, Sharp is back. And that certainly would make them, uh, you know, a little better. Um, and so we'll see what happens there between Port Barry and and Bo but two high school football games. Make sure to download each station's free mobile app so you can listen to the team that you're most interested in all year long or if you can just, you know, one week, just whatever the big game is. Some people are just high school football fans. It's not necessarily that they're tied to one team. But, again, whichever route you go, Delta Media is your home for Friday night football or, in this case, for these two games, Thursday night football, as well. All right, the game hotline again is 706-0111. 706-0111, if you would like to get in. I said I was gonna at least start it. And again, we talked about this three or four weeks ago, then other stuff got in the way, and we haven't really gotten back to it as much as we normally do in in the month of August, and now we're well into September. Or a week into it. But as I was thinking about it in my head, I'm like, well, there's not a lot of conflict here. Um, and as I put, as I say, pen to paper, there wasn't a lot of conflict. And I, I guess I'd have to figure, I still have to like pick Super Bowl and playoffs and all that. But in terms of picking who's going to finish first, second, third, and fourth in each division. I've done that. And there was only like three, I think, where I was kind of struggling. One of those divisions is not the AFC East. That one, I think, you know, at the beginning of the summer, I had to decide between Dolphins or Patriots. I know at the beginning of the summer and now, I am um, picking, decided, it's pretty much in concrete. Bills first and Jets last. Now, I'm not saying that's a 100% guarantee. I guess if the Jets finished third, it wouldn't shock me. But, but for the purposes of predictions, kind of betting my odds there, I, I got the Bills first and the Jets last. And so I was just deciding whether to put the Dolphins second or the Patriots second. Well, like I said yesterday, I just... Nothing that I've seen or heard coming out of Patriots camp since the beginning of August or the end of July has made any sense, and none of it's good. Like I don't know that any of it's good. Now, if they if they're just tricking us, playing possum, and just tricking everybody, I guess that's possible. But I I just I am you know the. The way, you know, new offensive coordinator and you got a rookie quarterback last year who did pretty well and then now you everything's changed up and you're running this totally different. I just that just sounds like a recipe for disaster to me. So I'm going with the Dolphins second, the Patriots third. The AFC North is I thought it was gonna be the at the beginning I'd have said the AFC West is the toughest division to predict. But now that we've gone through the month of August, we've gone through training camp, and we're one day away from the first game, and what are we, three or four days away from everybody else playing except for Denver and Seattle who who play on Monday night. Um, I think, in the end, the AFC North is the toughest position, I mean, division to, to pick. I... Um, Decided to go with the Ravens. But even the Ravens, they, you know, I think they're going to survive all this Lamar Jackson contract situation, but you have that. They seem to be like the Saints in a lot of ways in that they love to get injured. Like they're injured all the time, especially their running backs. And last year they had a lot. They had, you know, cornerbacks and running backs were injured. Does that sound familiar, Saints fan? I mean, that's kind of how it, it was last year with the Ravens. They were almost as injured as the Saints last year. Pretty close. Um, And so I think they'll bounce back. You know, everyone, even if you hate them, kind of respects the way they do things there. So I I think the Ravens will bounce back. I really considered picking the Browns, the Steelers, and the Bengals. Not as much the Bengals, but I certainly considered all three of those, and I will not be shocked if any of those teams finish second. Um, I'm not. At, I, I'm going to end up picking the Browns last. I ended up doing that, but I I don't know that the Browns are going to be as bad as some people think they're going to be. I, if the Browns have a winning season to get a wild card, I will not be surprised. I won't. I won't be surprised. Um, going into it, I was going to pick the Bengals last because I think they're just a poster child for a medicine season. But I'll go ahead and say the Browns, although I don't feel good about it. I, I'm I'm very. I think this is the the most conflict I had in any of these predictions was this division. I I struggled with all four. Who was I gonna pick? First, second, third, or fourth. I, I didn't immediately write any of them down. I, I, I kind of struggled with all four. But I settled on Ravens, Steelers, Bengals, and Browns. Um the NF, I'm sorry, the AFC South. I just don't like where the Titans are. I I, I think People are too harsh on Ryan Tannehill, but they lost their best linebacker. They lost their top receivers. Their running back was hurt a lot of last season. I just, I don't know. I just don't like the direction. And I don't like Matt Ryan, but I respect Matt Ryan. And I think Matt Ryan is going to play at a way higher level than Phillip Rivers did two years ago or than Carson Wentz did last year. Um, and and I, so I, I picked the, the Colts first and the Titans second pretty easily without a whole lot of thought. Now, the tough call for me in this division was who do you trust more the Jags or the Texans? Who do you trust more, the Jags or the Texans? Now, because Meyer is not there, and that was a you know an All American nightmare of a situation. The Guru and all these people keep telling me that <clears throat> their little sunshine quarterback is. As good as advertised, even though he looked horrible last year, and I agree that it was a bad situation it would have been difficult for any quarterback probably to to look real good in a in the bad situation that was last year in that in that team the, just the whole culture of it so I'll give him a pass <clears throat> I think the Texans. I'm really still torn with this, and I th- I thought just a few seconds ago about like just changing it. Right now, I have the Jags third and the Texans fourth, but I think the Texans are going to be, I think both of these teams are going to be better than than the national mainstream sports fan and media think they're going to be. I think they're kind of a laughing stock in the minds of most NFL observers, and I think the Jags, I think. The Jags' defense is better than people realize, a little better than people realize. And, and, I, and I think both of these teams are going to win about six to seven games. I don't think either team's going to be a laughing laughingstock. Um, I'm going to go with Jags and Texans, but I got to tell you, I don't feel great about that. We'll see how, how that plays out. Now, here we go with one of the toughest decisions. I struggled – for most of August, like, what am I going to do with the AFC West? I've decided that the Broncos, and it started with the Tim Patrick injury. I just, there's just too many questions with the Broncos. You got new coaches. You got new coordinators. You got, I know he's a new quarterback and a serious upgrade, but you still, you know, I still don't trust Jerry Judy because all he does is drop the ball. Um, and so I, even though it's not my heart because I hope they do well, I got. I I can't logically pick anyone but the Broncos to to finish last. Now, and I got the Raiders third. I thought, or at the beginning of August, I was ready to pick the Raiders higher, but I just don't. I just don't know if they're going to play enough defense to, to to finish. And I don't know. Is it me, or something tells me this whole. La La Land utopia of the college teammates reuniting. Something tells me it's not going to work like it seems like it's going to work. I just have this whole idea that Cor and Adams reuniting as old big buddy that it's not going to work out great. I could be fooling myself. We'll see. But anyway, I got the Raiders third. And I'm going to do something very probably very foolish. I'm going to trust the Chargers. Has it ever been a good idea to trust the Chargers? <laughs> like, they always mess it up. They have done nothing but mess it up for decades. Even when they're really good, they still find a way to mess it up. They just, that's the Charger way. But I don't know. I am i decide, even though I told myself, boy, this is foolish. Foolish. You're 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 trusting someone who always messes it up. But I did it anyway. Even though I told myself that, I did it anyway. I'm picking the Chargers first and the Chiefs second in that division. All right. NFC. Um if you're a cowboy fan, again, I'm a guy who puts a lot of stock in history. I think the Eagles are better than the Cowboys. But even if I didn't think the Eagles are better than the Cowboys, I'd be picking the Eagles because the history of this division is teams don't repeat. Like, no one is repeated in this division in forever. I heard the number weeks ago. I think it's like 17 or 18 years. or It's just, you know, basically in this century. No one is repeated. I think the Eagles probably the last team when Donovan McNabb was there. But for the most part, it just doesn't happen. And so I'm going to pick the Eagles, Cowboys. Now, the commander's roster I think is a little better than a lot of people think. I think it's better than most of us give it credit for. But again, they're the commanders. They just seem to mess everything up. Like they haven't really done anything right in how long. They're the Washington Commanders, so I'm gonna trust Dayball Ball and the Giants to have a little more consistency and a little less um, killing myself than the Commanders. So I'm gonna pick Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Commanders. I think I'm I'm kind of proud of myself in that I have. Adjusted to Guardians and Commanders a lot quicker. I mean, I made a few mistakes, but not nearly as mu- often as I. I've adjusted to those two out-of-the-left-field you know left field new mascots for Cleveland and Washington than, better than I thought that I would. Uh, I think the easiest prediction, the easiest division maybe in the entire NFL to predict is the NFC North. Packers, Vikings, Lions, Bears. I picked the Lions. I was high on the Lions last year and they let me down. And I told myself I'm not doing that again. But I'm I got to tell you and I'm about to repeat this again with the next division. I have a long history of being a year off on predictions. I I have a long history of being a year off on predictions. And I wouldn't have it. You know, I I don't have any issue. I kind of hope I'll be happy if the Lions do well. And I'm a year off on the Lions. And if they surprise me and, and, and finish, you know, in the top two in this division. I'll be happy. Where I won't be happy is if it happens next in the NFC South. Cause a year ago at this time I kept saying, Man, I'm worried about the Arnolds. Man, I'm worried about the Arnolds. Man, I'm worried about the Arnolds. And the Arnolds turned out to be terrible. And everybody said, What were you worried about that team for? I have a history of being a year off on predictions and feelings. And it's frustrating. And I I hope that does not rear its ugly head with the Arnolds. But uh I picked Arnold's third right off the bat, Falcons last right off the bat. Uh, Other than Chargers, Chiefs, Jags, Texans, and the entire um, AFC North, which was hard to predict. That was by far the hardest division in my mind to predict by far. The toughest decision was do I put the Saints first or do I put the Saints second? And I've been kind of, you know, again, kind of down since last week. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and I figure if Peter King can do it, a couple other national guys can do it, then I might as well stick with it. So I, I did Saints 1 and Bucks 2, although obviously that could easily be switched around. Uh, a, the NFC West, I think, is pretty, pretty, for me, I know most people aren't going to look at it this way. For me, it's pretty easy. Seahawks last, Cardinals third. I think the Rams are going to have a medicine season very much like the um, Bengals are going to have. So I'm picking the Cheaters first and the Rams to finish second. So tomorrow I'll uh, kind of finalize a Super Bowl prediction. I don't really – I need to think about that one more day before we do that. So we'll go ahead and take a timeout, come back. If you have any reaction to any of those predictions or LSU football or any other thing that we've discussed today or you want to bring up, certainly feel free. Open phone lines in the next segment on the game. Hotline at 706-0111. We'll be back. Footnotes on this melancholy Wednesday on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.
0: Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The Little MVPs. The Little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers in the Houston Astros. Once again, Astros will play Rangers tonight. 7 first pitch, you can hear it right here on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette. Also want to remind you, if you have not joined The Game Clubhouse, by going to 103.7thegame.com or 1041 thegamecom today, what are you waiting for? You could win excellent prizes, such as a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to, to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $20 certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Any of these great prizes you cannot win unless you join the game, game game Clubhouse. So go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, so sign up today. All right. Someone told me during a recent break that today is the forty third third anniversary or birthday of the first day that ESPN went on the air. So I don't remember that day because even though I was around, because I didn't get cable. I I don't know when I got cable, but we didn't get cable in 1979. We were living, I was living at the time, or we had just moved in the parish, but not like in the city limits kind of towards Milton. And so I didn't – I didn't, I missed those early years, like the first – I don't know if it was the first year or the first two years. I want to say I didn't get it to my sophomore year in high school, which would have been 81, 82 school year. I want to say I didn't get ESPN until then. So I kind of knew who some of those people were, George Grand – and Chris Berman and Tom Meese, and Bob Lee but I didn't really um I don't think it was now I watch it at my friend's house some if there was a big game I, I would do that but I don't I don't I don't think I got ESPN where I was living until 81 if I remember correctly because like in 80 for the miracle on ice, we had just moved into, it was the, it was the night day we had moved into a new home and, and we watched it on a little black and white TV, but it wasn't, even when we got the, we had gotten a new TV in for the Sunday gold medal game against Finland, but but I don't think that was cable. I just think we were just watching it on probably ABC, I think at the time with, with, with Jim McKay, et cetera. So um, some people I'm sure, listening, remember the very, very beginning of, of ESPN, and obviously it's some people grew up with ESPN and don't even follow it, don't even hardly watch it anymore, I still watch it, so, some shows here and there, I certainly still watch it, and certainly watch it, you know, if you're watching Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Baseball or whatever, but uh, it's um, it's a little different now than it was back then for sure, way back in 1979, but um, it certainly changed the world in, uh, or the sports world in a lot of a lot, lot of different ways the, you know back then it was Australian rules football and biggie's basketball i mean biggie's basketball is kind of what put espn on the map in a lot of ways in those in those early years they were they were it was big then but anyway i just thought in the sports world it's a pretty significant historic day And, you know, a lot of us obviously will be watching ESPN on Monday night, the first Monday night game being the um, Broncos and Seattle. And Denver better win that game. It is in Seattle. But, um, you know, the Broncos' schedule to me is brutal. And I just think that Russell Wilson probably has – I could be wrong. I could be naive, but I think Russell Wilson has more of a grudge against the Seahawks than the Seahawks have towards Russell Wilson. Maybe not. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm underestimated that. Uh, and plus, I just don't know how good Seattle is. I, you know, obviously their defense is nowhere near where it was when Russell Wilson was, you know, and the Seahawks were going to the Super Bowl. So that. They're not there. And I don't know that their offense is going to be that good either. All You know, their running backs are okay. Their offensive line has been an issue for a while. And I think they have good wide receivers. I just don't know if they have the offensive line in the quarterback in the running game to complement their receivers. I mean, Metcalf and Lockett, there aren't that many more productive one-two punches at wide receiver in the NFL than, than Metcalf and Lockett. But, again, I, I think it's a team game. I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I, I think your wide receivers are helped out by a running game, helped out by your offensive line, and obviously your quarterback. And I, I don't know that any of those three um, areas are good enough for Seattle, so we'll see what happens on 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 that Monday night game and on on Friday we'll look a little more into the actual NFL schedule I think just because of last week just took a lot out of me we haven't talked as much NFL uh this week and it was the beginning of college football and so we needed to talk about the Cajuns win over Southeastern and and LSU's loss to Florida State so I mean it's what was supposed to happen but um I really, again, my mind has just been a mess since last week having to do with the Saints and the NFL. So we haven't talked as much about it, but we have two days. tomorrow's game, obviously, great opening game. Uh, Sometimes that opening game is not great. It just happens to include the the, uh, Super Bowl, the reigning Super Bowl champion. But this, I mean, I don't know how you could get a much better matchup, you know, The Rams against the Bills. And look, I like, I'm sure a lot of people say, oh, look at that guy or look at that punk or whatever people might. Like Jalen Ramsey yesterday, and I'm no big Jalen Ramsey fan, but he was like, why you want me to praise him? Like, I I don't get that. I'm with him. Like, it's amazing how, and it's not like the Rams hate the Bills, but he's like, why, why, why are you asking me to sit here and praise him like he's this unbeatable force? I, uh, you know, I'm with him. I mean, I'll say he basically said, "You know how good he is. Why, why, why you, why, why you need me to say how good he is?" So, I think, especially on rivals, some some fans out there, they just they just love praising the rival. I don't, I don't get it. Don't get it at all. But anyway. Should be a great matchup. And, um, you know, Stafford, so say, had an injury, and he claims it's fine. We'll see how all that plays out. We'll see if Stafford can reduce his amount of interceptions. He threw a lot of picks last year, a lot. We'll see if he can reduce those. He had some great moments and some really ugly moments during the course of last season. But they won the Super Bowl, so no one's going to remember all those ugly moments. So, no, should be a great first game in the NFL. I don't know if I'll get to see it, but look for, I look mean, I certainly hope I get to see a lot of that game for sure. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show next on the game. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. Two footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your own for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. It's just two games. But when the summer began, a lot of people in the national media and especially the New York City area were talking about Subway Series, Subway Series. Um And now, today, both of them are playing a doubleheader. We're down to a little over 30 games. And you just wonder. Again, it's just two games, so I don't want to be a victim of the moment. Um, but it seems like this, this is an important doubleheader for these two teams. Like, if they would both – like, I don't know. Most doubleheaders are splits. But even a split right now is not is not going to help the Mets. Like they really need to sweep the Pirates today, and it's just two games. Because look, I mean, they could lose the next two games or win the next two games, and I understand things change daily. But it just seems to have a feel that for the Yankees and the Mets, they they re- they really need to make some hay in this in today's doubleheader. So. Uh, I would think in the New York City area, this is going to be either a very hopeful day or if it goes bad, a very, like, they're going to be ready to. If either one of these two teams gets swept today, Yankees or the Mets, they're going to be ready to bury them. And and might not be that far from the truth. We'll see. Again, there's still a lot of games left. Still, I don't know, 30, somewhere between probably 30 and 33 games left, depending on where they are on the schedule. But it's um, it seems like this is it has got the feel of a big doubleheader for both of them. The Yankees are hosting the Twins. The Mets are playing at the Pirates. So we'll see. Uh, the Mets start at 1130, so not that long from now. The Yankees start at 2 o'clock. So I think they're both having one of these day-night, doubleheader deals so although the Yankees I think is going to be a true doubleheader it looks like two o'clock and 530 so that's pretty close to a true doubleheader so we'll see should be lots of uh, should be interesting to see how those two teams fare appreciate all the phone calls y'all have a nice day